Coming up this week, Marvel's first family are back for the latest reiteration of the Fantastic Four, Belle Powley deals with adolescence in the diary of a teenage girl, the US Army militarizes dogs in family drama Max, and David Gordon Green's latest indie drama sees Al Pacino rebuild his life in Manglehorn. All of those to come and more off screen. This is This is Off Screen. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. I'm Case Allen. So we've got a fun week uh, this week. I will say, you know, next week we've got like four pretty good looking oh, films. Week. Well, we've already seen one. We've, we've already seen, seen one. one. Actually, I say that. Pixels is in there and I know a lot of people aren't looking forward to it. Mm. However, I can say that all the dread is unfounded. Okay. So the, the, we've got some things to look forward there's to. some things to look forward to. Kevin James is a press. Kevin James as the present. That, do you know what? Yeah. That is my favourite thing about Pixels, actually. Really? It's strange that Kevin James is president. Oh, it's man. also offhandedly mentioned in Pixels that Obama was president at a point. So, you, so after... So Kevin James has to have beaten Barack Obama in an election. <laughs> now, that's a prequel I want to see. Mm. I don't want to see a prequel about uh, King Kong. Yeah, you don't or, want video games. You yeah, want I, grounded in reality. I, I want well, the, not really grounded in reality if Kevin James can beat I Barack want, Obama. Yeah, I want a satirical comedy. I yeah. want to see the campaign in which <laughs> Kevin James beats Barack Obama, played by uh, which one of Key and Peele? Jordan Peele? Jordan Peele, yeah. Jordan Peele as Obama. It, that, that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, his impression oh is amazing. God. How are we not doing? How are they not writing? I feel movie? like we've gone off on some wonderful big tangent. I, I would but watch I that movie. That's okay. great. <laughs> should we? Should we just review Manglehorn and get that over with? That we'll talk about Pixels next week, but Manglehorn right now. Yeah. So uh, Manglehorn, which is the latest uh, indie drama from uh, David Gordon Green, who seems to have mm. made it his forte to do indie drama in the last few years. I mean, that's how he kind of like. Um, St- like uh, made a name for himself, cut his teeth, definitely. Well, because he did Prince Avalanche, which you and I are both fans of. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Uh, which, oh, Joe, he did Joe with Nicolas yeah, Cage. Yeah, I just watched recently. Well, this is the thing because his Love films seem to come out a year later here than they yeah, do everywhere else. So Joe was yeah. like 2013. We didn't get it till 2014. Mm. And I know Chris Wilson was a very big fan. He literally oh, drove the length of the country. <laughs> drove like the length of the country to see it, and deservedly so. Nicolas yes. Cage was fantastic in it. So, uh, the latest one, Manglehorn, uh, this sees Al Pacino uh, star as a local uh, locksmith. A sort of beaten down, Al Pacino-aged locksmith. <laughs> is, is Al Pacino meant to be in his 60s, 70s? Um, I can never tell Maybe anymore. 70s, I think, 70s. now, yeah. Very uh, early 70s. Yeah, so he's, this is kind of the antithesis of Danny Collins, in one sense. <laughs> yeah, um, he's got absolutely. He's got a lost love whom he keeps reflecting back on periodically. Um, sort of the lost love that defines his life. He's got an estranged son, Craig by played by uh, Chris Messiah, I want to say. Oh, really? Chris Messiah from Devil. Yeah. And, yeah. and I remember him mostly from the newsroom, which mm. I'm not sure if you started watching. I Still on the list. Still on oh, the okay. other okay. you'll, you'll love him in the newsroom. He's sleazy and fun. And uh, he begins a friendship with a local bank teller, played by Holly Hunter. And through his friendship with her, begins to sort of reassess his priorities and start to rebuild his life, look to move mm. on and basically make peace in the world and get on with things. And then somewhere along the way, Harmony Corinne turns up as a local sleazeball. Really? We, yeah, here's a clip. I'm asking for help, Dad. Help? What kind of help? I got a, I got a pull-out sofa in the house. You want, you want that? You want to stay here? I don't want your sofa. You know, you know what I want? It would be great if you could uh, 
to be a father. What is that? How about that? Could be okay, Jacob. You know, it could be good, Jacob. It could be okay. It could be okay. okay. Is that what being a dad is? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. So yeah, Harmony Corinne Peach are interested. Fantastic, yeah. <laughs> I did not know that he was in this film. Not yeah. only is Harmony Corinne in this, but as a result of filming this with Al Pacino, he apparently cast Al Pacino as the lead in his, his next, next film. Oh, I've got to see that. So yeah, I want to see a Harmony Corinne movie starring Al, Al Pacino. Pacino in Spring Breakers oh, God. 2. Uh... Al Pacino takes over the role of Alien for Spring Breakers 2. <laughs> that would be amazing, since James Franco apparently isn't interested. So, um, David Gordon Green, excellent director. Uh, yeah, fantastic. I, I do think his work is, is fantastic. I think Prince Avalanche is his best. best. I know Joe gets all the kudos, mm. but Prince Avalanche, I think, is his. I, I find like Prince Avalanche is the best for him. I feel like Joe was definitely Nick Cage's film. Like very got, much, yeah, yeah. Got a lot of praise for that flick. Well, this doesn't quite have the far-fetched sort of criminal aspect, for instance, of of Joe. Mm. You know that sort of bad guys and good guys, shades yeah. of grey thing. This is basically this is just a straight character drama about a guy with a broken life. Very cut life. and dry. Yeah. Very cut and dry. Al Pacino is terrific in it. Um, absolutely, and this this is two for two for Al Pacino. This, is, yeah. this year, I mean, having done Pacino Sons, that doesn't work, does it? Pacino Sons. Pacino Sons. Pacino Sons. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll think of something. Cast like him as Star Lord's dad. That's what that's what the world wants that, to see. That's what we. Yeah, it is, <laughs> isn't it? If that rumor ever turned out to be real, oh my god! But also, mm. having now seen how, how good he was in Daddy Collins, how good he is in this. Yeah, you know what? Something like that. That kind of makes sense. That would be good. Like, yeah, that's absolutely. a logical. And after you've had Robert Redford and yeah, and, and, they can uh, get anyone else. Let's do it. Why yeah. not get Al Pacino? But um, in the case of this show, you've got the great performance by Al Pacino. You've got uh, a, a terrific, engaging role from Holly Hunter as well. Mm. And the pair of them have worked out... I mean, Pacino has got a balance of personality. He's neutered his charisma so that it's still there, but it makes sense in the form of a real person, if you can understand what I mean. Yeah. It's, it, it's, kind of pictured it well. Yeah, you know what I mean. It, it's, it's, yeah... It's like trying to imagine me doing Shakespeare. You, you have to new, new <laughs> oh, personality. Oh, please just try it. Just Alas, poor Yorick. <laughs> what? Oh, my lord. And that doesn't work unless it I do it. Work. Unless I do it in the voice of Keanu Reeves, it doesn't work. Oh, my lord. <laughs> so that actually happened. Yeah. Just saying, it actually happened. Um, right. But say, his chemistry with Holly Hunter is great, and it's mm. bolstered by really great character writing. But the character writing comes at a cost, which is story writing. And the story writing is where uh, Manglehorn falls really short because it's very unfocused in terms of what it wants to be, in terms of what it wants to do. And it goes sort of all, all, all over the place. It has this plot of Al Pacino's character and wanting to rebuild his life and get on with things, but it keeps devolving into, okay, but now I want to go and explore my relationship with this character and this character, and now I want to explore this aspect, and I want to explore a brief hint of alcoholism. I'm not quite sure where you're wanting mm. to be with this. Is is it the rebuilding the life story? Is that the focus of this? Or it's a very way. It's instead of a baseline, it's more of a wavy, more of a wavy line. Yeah, yeah. It, it's more of a roller coaster than a, <laughs> than a than a straight line. And you're thinking in this sort of a film, you want a straight line and not a roller coaster. Mm. Roller coaster's fine if you're Kevin Smith. Not so much if you're David Gordon Green. And when you look at something like Prince Avalanche and how focused and how brilliant and how character-driven that film was, mm. it does sort of paint uh, more of a. Well, with Prince Avalanche, I mean, there's there's literally just two characters in that film. There's two characters so, in the world, isn't it? Yeah, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd as Ned Flanders. I mean, what's not? <laughs> That's it. And there's the guy in the truck. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very briefly. Shouldn't smell that yeah. cigar because you look stupid. Yeah. <laughs> no. 
But uh, I will say, I mean, I, I liked I liked Mandelhorn, but I, it's not a crowd pleaser by any stretch mm. of the imagination. It's not. Uh, it's not anywhere near David Gordon Green's better work. Minus, yeah. Hasn't he got something amazing coming up? He's got uh, one of the numerous uh, Boston Bomber. That dramas. was it. Yes, stronger. I think the Jake Gyllenhaal one we were talking about last yeah. week, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, well, I mean, I, perfect for him. I hope it's more of a really works him, yeah. story-based drama. I think in that one with some character mm. rather than the sort of mess that this is in, in that regard. Okay. But this is a first-time writer. This is a guy named uh, Paul Logan, who right. is a uh, screenwriter. He's a stage writer, sorry, as far okay. as I know. He's a stage writer who worked, I think, as a transportation uh, manager on Prince Avalanche. <laughs> I looked into this, I'm like, oh, what are yeah. the odds? Yeah, I just, anything I, can happen in Hollywood now. I just yeah. imagine the delivery guy on Prince Avalanche just gave him a screen. Hey, yeah. Dave, would you mind giving this a read? Just, just a... <laughs> Great, I'll, I shall make I'll it make immediately. It. <laughs> we'll get Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the kind of thing you blag at a bar, doesn't it? Well, get Al Pacino, yeah. sure. But, uh, so, uh, let's uh, have a look at the top ten, then, before we carry on. Yes, let's week. do that. Number ten. Okay, we uh, have a Bollywood. Um, Cassie pronounced it quite well last This week. is actually in for a second week. That never it? happens. That never happens. So, let's try and pronounce it right now. Uh, Bajranji Bajan? That's exactly how I let's pronounced it last week. And very that. well done. Cool. I say we know nothing about it. Number nine. Moving down. Uh, Ted Two. Which I say, I still maintain I like very much. Oh, like it. It's a Family Guy road trip. It's the road to the multiverse. It's, it's kind of one episode. of the Brian Stewie road movies. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. F- funny thing, you and I have said <laughs> this before about Ted 2, that it is very sketch-based. But also, absolutely. we did point out that a lot of the sketches have been done in Family Guy. <laughs> yeah. I was in bed last night watching BBC3 uh, repeating Family Guy. And they actually did the improv bit. Which, oh, yeah. which Chris yeah. Wilson and I both agree is the best moment of the film. Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> I would argue that uh, Mark Wahlberg on a witness stand is, like that, is just yeah. as good. <laughs> Nobody likes you, you loser! <laughs> but I'd argue that. But uh, the improv thing is far and away. Um, and that moment is in family. It's now. an actual sketch. Yeah. What was those? I'm sure they do the Jurassic Park bit in a sketch as well. I'm sure that's been done as well. But yeah, that's absolutely. the thing. It just feels kind of lazy when you look at it that way. It's, yeah. But it's interesting to see these mm. ones done in a live action. Reminds me of, uh, do you remember when they used to make novels out of Red Dwarf? Yeah. Did you ever read any of those? <laughs> I've not read them, but I'm They aware. used to take skits from Red Dwarf, like sort of little character comedy moments, and they would just they would lift the moment verbatim, but they would put it in a new context. Right. So they would just have it happen in the middle of another event, and it worked. Strangely, it worked. But, yeah, so they have entire episodes, but placed in a more science fiction hitchhiker's guy context. Yeah. This is the same kind of thing with Family Guy sketches. <laughs> it's just in a different context. Mm. But I'm not going to find it. A different it. location, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, so. no, it definitely works. Number eight. Don't know what else to say about <laughs> The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> you know what? It's still going. They've put out their own trailer as well. Have you seen this? Uh, what? For Secret Cinema? Uh, for, no, for The Empire Strikes Back. They've put out an actual... Oh. They've done this in the last couple of days. Yeah. Put out an actual trailer for The Empire Strikes Back, modified with a little Secret Cinema flair. You're right, um, okay. Yeah, I've not watched it myself yet, but uh, it, it's something I do find intriguing. It's one of the greatest movies ever. It's, well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it's been in the top ten for at least four weeks, so I don't know what else we can say about it. <laughs> it's very true. And for some reason, I think I've, I think I've noted that down wrong. It says eight weeks on mine, but never mind. Is it eight? Can't be eight weeks. Is it? Oh, it might be. might be eight It's been in the top ten so long, I've lost all concept of time. I think it has. Yeah. But uh, anyway. oh well, on to the next one. Number seven. Okay, straight in. Um, Gloria from Modern Family and uh, Reese without her spoon in Hot Pursuit. <laughs> Funny story about Hot Pursuit. I compare it to Midnight Run, right? Yeah. Turns out I'm not the only one, right? You can try this challenge yourself. Okay. Okay. Go on Wikipedia. Yeah. Type in Hot Pursuit, and at the bottom of the page, it genuinely says, "See also Midnight, Midnight Run. Run." Really? 
Like this is how what you described the... it. It was just it is. Just it is. Yeah. No, it's, it, no, first of all, it's not a great movie. It, it isn't. But if you're going in expecting it to be, I think the blame on that one lies on you. Yeah, it, it really does. It's a, um, it's a frothy. Yeah, I mean, this isn't it's a even frothy ninety minutes co- comedy. Yeah, it's not even ninety minutes. No. It's, it's what was his name? Been... Splooge. Did we say or <laughs> Sploosh. 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 <laughs> Rob, Rob Kaczynski asked Sploosh. <laughs> Sploosh. And yeah, because That's apparently... like a Rob Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Kaczynski to Dirk Dirk But no, Reese Witherspoon is trying for comedy here rather than playing it straight in a comedy. And that's mm. when you realise that, that is her strength is playing it straight in comedies. That's why Legally Blonde works so well. That's why Reese Witherspoon can pull off a comedy because she's very good at, I will play it straight, everyone else do the jokes, hmm. and I will be funnier, as I, I will make it funnier as a result. That works. That works. Here, not quite so much, and in terms of Sofia Vergara, she's just playing the modern family character. She's being Gloria. And she's just point. She, she does the audience POV thing of, oh look, Reese Witherspoon, you wear large pants. You know, yeah. and you're like, really? And also, in 2015, do we really need, you know, the attractive TV actress to play a character entirely defined by the fact that she's decent looking and has large breasts? Mm. Really? Because didn't we try this with Anna Nicole Smith in the 90s? <laughs> but yeah. You're comparing... Uh, Sweet Regal, it's Anna, Anna Nicole Smith. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I assure you, they're, they're alike in no other way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Number six. Moving down. Uh, Jurassic World in militarizing dino IMAX eye popping 3D. Yes, militarizing <laughs> dino. And it's funny how often this joke has now come up amongst our circle of friends. And now, like, outside of a circle of friends, <laughs> yeah, people you'll read are something to, and. Yeah, yeah, people are starting to, uh, to, to come up with the whole uh, Vincent D'Onofrio thing, aren't they? Hey, do you think he wants to militarize dinosaurs? Yeah. And do you know what's really funny? We're fixating on that gag, and yet the film is really, really good. And yeah. we're going to reference this film later when it comes to Fantastic Four. But yes. uh, Colin Trevorrow, yeah, well done, bravo, sir, bravo. Mm. Just do you well think he done. is actually going to come back to direct? Because he's going to be uh, writing the sequel. He's going to be writing it. Uh, I don't know. I... He said that he wouldn't direct, but I don't know. I feel like I, feel I think like he's so much. I feel like he's so much a part of what works about uh, Jurassic World mm. because his directorial style. Strangely, it feels more in line with the Spielbergian quality of the whole franchise, which yeah. exists for an obvious reason, mm. um, than, for instance, Joe Johnson did last time. It doesn't which really is have a style. Very, very odd because if anyone should get the Spielbergian style, it should have well, been Joe Johnson. Well, with his work on Raiders and everything, but well, yeah, you would think Joe Johnson was connected enough to Spielberg to know that mm, style, absolutely, to do yeah. a good facsimile of it. But no, it turns out we need the safety not guaranteed guy to do it. And you know what? He made Chris Pratt even more awesome in the process <laughs> and reminded us how great Bryce Dallas Howard is. Yeah. She is very good. She is very good. Ethan Khan as well. It, oh, Khan. Yeah. I love Ethan Khan. Go to the beach, get some sun. <laughs> I love how he says that. Sun. Yeah. Because he, he, he seems to spell sun, S-A-R-N. Sun. <laughs> Maybe that's how it was written in his I script. love him. I love him so <laughs> He's much. Great. He's such a good He's character. He's really good. Cool. So. Number five. Minions. Minions. Yeah. Did you, you mean talk. to say that those, those, what was it, those allegedly lovable minions? I think that's what I said last time. Those yeah. apparently lovable minions. Those apparently, yeah. 
I'll, right. say, I'll say allegedly next week. Allegedly, allegedly love what? Right. I, yeah. I like Minions. I like the film very much. I think it's better than Spickle Me 2. I don't think it has anywhere near the heart, soul, and just general warmth of Despicable Me 1, yeah. which I think is a modern classic. I do. I'm a, I'm a big fan of animation in general, as are you, actually. You're a big fan. I'm a huge fan. fan of animation. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed the first one. Um, the role that Minions play is quite small. That's it. Now, that's the thing, because you think... Maybe when Maybe it came to doing more, they, they yeah. sh- I think, because Minions Spec Me 2 fails, I think, because there is an attempt to do more with the Minions yeah. that really is dwarfed by an unengaging villain. And then you've got the Minions movie, mm. which, again, has a kind of uninteresting villain. And you can't help but think that the Michael Keaton and Alison Janey characters I'm were a lot more appealing. Yeah. And, because you've not seen the film. No. When you see the film, you will look at the the set of characters of which Alice and Janie and Michael Keaton are a part, and you will think, that should have been the movie. That there, that's the movie. That's a great movie right there. Mm. This could have been actually a really interesting road trip movie. <laughs> but uh, it, it isn't. And, it is not, unfortunately. Uh, it's, I enjoy the film still. I still think the film's very good. It's very funny. It's got its swing 60s pop culture reference engine in full swing, complete with all the soundtrack beats that you know it has to hit. <laughs> And, well, what's not to love for me? Number four. Michael Douglas, Paul Rudd in Ant-Man. You, do you say that in a way that implies that you're not a fan. I know, I don't know why, because I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I can't control that? my own voice sometimes. You can't, you just... No. You're just Ron Burgundy, is, it? is that what it is? I know. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy? <laughs> Ant-Man? Ant-Man? As if, <laughs> as if it should be Ant Woman. No, I am. I am a very, very, very big fan of this film. It's, it's up there with my favourite of the MCU's, probably the Lower Guardians and Winter Soldier. Really, same for a lot of people. I think. Uh, yeah. I think it Definitely. is the most out and out comedic. Although Definitely, weirdly, yeah. I don't think it's as funny as Guardians, even though it is more of a comedy. Hmm. Um, but it is gut bustingly funny. Um, I think Paul Rudd is excellent in it, doing what Paul Rudd does. Um, I think the film is stolen by Michael Pena. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Out and out saw my Michael Pena. You who is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get the van now. Yeah. I get the van now. I get the van now. I love him. That's what happens. I always find that. Uh, dead, dead, dead. <laughs> you see, you do, you do the jaw as well. When you, I know, do yeah. you do Michael Pena's Michael weirdly jaw. vertical yeah. jaw. But, uh, like yeah, a no. Canadian from South Park. It kind of is. It is <laughs> yeah. like that, yeah. Dead, dead. <laughs> dead, dead. But uh, no, I like Ant-Man very much. I think after all the behind-the-scenes troubles, I think it was a pleasant surprise. Mm, I was absolutely. taken aback at how straightforward and simplistic it was, mm. how small a scale, no pun intended, it is, and how much I enjoy Corey Stoll as this ludicrously out-and-out villain. Yeah, everything he wears, even including the, the like you have a suits and yellow jacket, just, yeah. You can have a type really in great, that says yeah. evil on it. Evil, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, I, I quite like Evangeline Lilly, even though she has nothing to do. Let's uh, wait until Infinity War. Let's, let's wait until, let's wait until, until Wasp comes <laughs> up. Yeah. Number three. Next up, uh, Southpaw, which I South still haven't seen. You haven't you, seen it? No, I will. I will get around to watch it. Huge uh, fan of uh, Kurt Sutter. Big, big fan of yeah, his. But let's say I am as well. Kurt Sutter. I, I love. All, yeah. I love his writing. I love Sons of Anarchy. And like his two, writing was the star uh, of films by Antoine Fuqua. <laughs> yeah, because no, this is a Fuqua film. <laughs> is this is literally Fuqua this, films. This is a film from Fuqua films. So um, just a uh, bit of a bit of a side note. Uh, Simon Kinberg. Yeah. Just at the end of Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. I think that his production company. There's a thing that comes up says yeah. Kinberg genre. Oh, no. is, that, is that his production company? I, I, I'm, gonna have to look into, I'm gonna have to look into this. Oh man! 
Wow. During the break, I'll have a look and confirm. But if it if it is indeed Kimberly Jarman, that just cements my. I'm, I'm going to have a look into that. Well, yeah. I think there's enough to hate on with Fantastic Four, if we're honest. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Southpaw. Southpaw. Uh, excellent performances. Excellent direction by uh, Fuqua. You've got a story which really is pretty much Rocky Three. And yeah, definitely. <laughs> it really it's, it's a redemption it's, minus it's the the running on the beach. Yeah. If Mr. T had killed Adrian, <laughs> if Mr. T had killed Adrian at the beginning of Rocky Three, oh, that's club, the movie. Club line would never done that. He loves, loves club, women too much. Yeah, club, club he's always like, hey, yeah. woman, hey, woman, hey, woman, hey, woman. What does he want to be a man's like? That's exactly what I mean. He want to be a man. I've seen Rocky Three too many times. I think we all have. Yeah. yeah. But um, uh, I'd say it's a very predictable story, beat for beat, because it is Rocky Three. Um, however, it is fleshed out in such a way by Kurt Sutter's writing, his mm. usual brilliant level of character writing, which is what made Sons of Anarchy the series so good, that it yeah. was, that you can overlook it and you get sucked into it and you do enjoy it, even though you know, given how predictable it is, that you shouldn't. Mm. So I call it a win all round, despite that flaw. Number two. Inside Out. Which you saw again yesterday, didn't yes, you? Yes, I did. Bing Bong! <laughs> yeah. Pretty much everything that Bing Bong says cracks me up. Play, play mean notes. How is that not John, that. John Ratzenberger, though? Because Bing I Bong know. is voiced by Richard Kind from Spin City. I think it really works with Richard Kind, though. Mm. And I'm glad to see him back in the fold for Pixar. Because he was in Bugs Life, wasn't he? Yeah, he played like the idiot brother Kevin Spacey's idiot, idiot brother, brother yeah. which is a, a live action casting I would love to see <laughs> that would work actually <laughs> that would strangely yeah. work wouldn't it it would really work but no I love it like a similar kind of hairline oh. yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but yeah no really really enjoyed it I think it's did Cassie cast cry again, again you say oh yeah like yeah. Niagara Falls <laughs> <laughs> wet like a baby yeah um, absolutely I, yeah right up there yeah, I thought it was a really emotional really Pete, Pete Doctor again Pete yeah. Doctor doing, doing what he does but uh, yeah I, I really enjoyed it and I got to briefly meet Pete Doctor as well which was oh no way he's he's got such a freaky looking face, but <laughs> I thought incredible. Actually, I thought he's nerd Peyton Reed. <laughs> Weird thing. He's nerd Peyton Reed, which is kind of yeah. cool because Peyton Reed is Butch Dean from Community. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> strange. Yeah, but no, very like interested and looking dude, but in- incredibly clever. Come. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, Inside Out is excellent. It is. I don't think it's Pixar's best. If I'm honest, I because okay. I think Up is the, the, the pinnacle for me of Pixar. It is mm. Up is the perfect Pixar movie, I think. And uh, Everybody was talking about that first five minutes of Up. The first, well, the five, first five to ten But minutes. I think the film in general is great. The film in general is, never, is never wacky dips, and out it? there. Yeah. And but I it find, is a I find strange that, I find that with Inside Out. I find there's some bits that were not for kids in Inside Out. I did think that as well. Yeah, I, the whole like, abstract not. thought bit. Just what is a child meant to think watching that <laughs> I know. When, when they're just shapes? Uh, the subconscious, for instance, things like that. I thought yeah. I loved the, the train of thought. Train there. of thought was deja vu is my one of my yes, favorite guys. Yes, deja, deja, deja vu. vu. Deja vu. <laughs> we we did that oh. actually with, uh, last year when we were doing the news that Ellen DeGeneres was going to be back for Finding Dory. Oh god! We, yeah, we just kept repeating the right, news yeah. every ten minutes. Yeah, we're back as the uh, absent-minded fish. Dory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am now more looking forward to that. And Andrew Santum is actually a producer on this. Yes, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Number one. And then right in at number one, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Can you see how much money this has made? It is ungodly. Yes. This is a movie that they thought it's really wouldn't good. track That's right. well. Yeah. I saw yeah. those uh, like, opening tracking. I just want to point yeah. out then, that means that like twice within the space of about a month, mm. two major studios have thought that their films were going to tank and have handled it entirely differently. <laughs> yeah. Of course... One of those films deserves to tank. 
or Trank, as the case may be, and the other one is excellent with a slightly damp ending. Yeah. But uh, Mission Impossible... I'm still cool with that ending. You like, I like the ending. ending. I think yeah. the ending's slightly damp given what immediately precedes it. Yeah, a lot of people are kind of criticised the way that the flick opens. Um, the, sun has just, the sun has yeah, just set on us. We are sat in complete darkness now. It's <laughs> because <laughs> it's Tom Cruise on a plane. It's Tom Cruise on a plane flying over <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, a lot of people seem to be a little bit down on the way of the mm. film up. I think it's a very brash, cool, bold move. I, I it like it. Yeah, that, I love that, that sequence has been so intrinsic to the marketing. That this this hanging on a plane, and you think actually, I, I kind of like that. that. That's your money shot, and you're opening with your money shot. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That opened, I was like, I'm on board. I'm Weirdly, I do in. think the rest of the film plays strangely a lot more like the first movie than anything else, mm. which is is kind of odd. But I, I like that. I find that kind of refreshing. Yeah. I think Sean Harris makes for an excellent villain. He's no Philip Seymour Hoffman, no. But then again, who could be? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and Rebecca Ferguson, as we both said, There's a great like uh, addition, femme fatale, femme fatale type. Yeah. It's a shame she won't be back for Mission Impossible Six because if this series has established anything, it's that women are disposable. I don't know. But and, it kind of uh, leaves it open hanging. But the way that this has now given her like a platform. I, I think, know. you know, any film series. No, just, any, any franchise. I'm just going to say, Expendables. <laughs> oh, it's, possibly. It's still coming. Well, she is lined up to be film lead in Gambit. I don't know if you've heard ah, about that. Yeah, she's, it's either her or uh, Leah Sadu, because apparently well, any film that needs Any film, now, yeah, yeah, gets Leah Sadu. Well, funnily enough, uh, you've nice, nicely segued us into uh, some film news, but we've got to get a, uh, a review out of the way first. So, Max. So let's do Max now, yeah. Right, this is the latest from uh, director Boaz Yakin, who brought us Safe. Safe, that's the last thing I saw from him, yeah. Yeah, he also directed Uptown that. Girls. I remember that. I remember, but I did not see it. The Britney Murphy vehicle with yeah. uh, Dakota Fanning. Back when Dakota Fanning was still a cute little girl. Was she the girl? Oh, she wow. was the little girl. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, Max, which is the story of a search and rescue uh, dog um, in the in the army in Afghanistan, who um, his handler is Robbie Amel from the Duff. You might remember us mm. doing the pet pop yeah. in the Duff. Or I know him better as Firestorm from of course, The yeah. Flash and Arrow. Um, so he trains Max in Afghanistan. But when his handler is killed... The handler, by the way, his name's Kyle. I'm going to give the name because it gets a bit confusing in a moment. Mm. Kyle, who is Max's handler, is killed in action in Afghanistan. And uh, Max is returned to the States round about the same time as Kyle's funeral. And the local army veterinary uh, hospital decide to bring Max to the funeral to pay the respects because it's nearby yeah. and you get that nice YouTube soldier reunion video moment in which <laughs> Max climbs the, the coffin to you know pay respects to his, his dead master yeah. uh, but he, he's, he's broken, Max has broken he's gone feral, he's barking at everyone but he will only calm down for Kyle's rebellious teenage brother wouldn't you know it? His <laughs> rebellious brother, who wears a t-shirt with apostrophe America and plays Call of Duty <laughs> video games whilst pirating software and speaking uh, unkindly about US military action. However, as Kyle's brother and Max begin to bond, mm. um, Kyle's uh, what do you call them? Squad mate from Afghanistan mm. also returns on medical discharge. Okay. Returns to their hometown because they grew up together, and the question comes up of exactly how did Kyle die? Here's Ooh. a clip. Heel. Don't let your dog walk you. You walk your dog. Dogs run in packs, so if he's leading you, he's leading the pack. Her brother said Max was like a specialized search dog. He could go out in front of his handler for like 300 yards locate weapons and explosives and stuff. Yo, we got the Air Jordan of dogs here, man. You got him shooting layups? Oh, I'm sorry, Chiu, did you want to try walking? Heck no, you crazy? 
So yes, as you can hear, this is a bit is... of intrigue. In that yeah, there is little, no intrigue to this pause. whatsoever. <laughs> Just the way you said it. There's no intrigue. Yeah, it's very on the nose, very lifetime, very hallmark. Yeah, uh, a cast a which includes yes, yeah. a cast which includes Robbie Amell, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, and Lauren Graham. Mm. Cannot save this at all. It is very, I like very all hallmark. those those three actors as well. Yeah, That's and Boaz Yakin just is not trying to inject anything remotely resembling creativity no. or life into it. it is, he's also co-written it, which is particularly depressing. And no, this is very, very, very bad. <laughs> um, I will say, I mean, it's got that, the first 15 minutes do play like one of those YouTube soldier reunion videos. Yeah. You, you know, the kind... I know where, ones, yeah. yeah. The dog waited at the airport for him for three months, and now he's back. That kind of a moment. <laughs> And and yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, the softies in the audience will weep within about the first fifty. That funeral scene will absolutely destroy, destroy them, yeah. some people. I, I will admit, I got a little little choked up. The, the, the non-cynic in me was a little bit choked up, but then the cynic took over. <laughs> <laughs> Pull yourself together, Van. Pull yourself together, Van. Just want to review in this, damn it. And uh, although I will point out that my dog loved it, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I've got a picture of her watching it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, right, on to some, should we do a bit of, bit of film news before we... Uh, before we uh, uh, yeah, let's do that. Let's do okay, some film news. So we'll just have a couple. Oh, Frank Grillo is going to return for The Purge 3. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Awesome news, although yeah. that destroys the anthology aspect a little bit for me. Yeah, because it's meant to be kind of like one kind of lead. Ethan Hawke is there, and now he's got yeah. Frank Grillo, and now Can he's back. Can we get someone else? Yeah. It's, it's Manu Bennett's turn, man. Come on. <laughs> I do like him, though. I do like him. So the Coen brothers have signed on to write and mm. possibly direct an adaptation of the 60s detective novel Black Money. Mm. That uh, could be interesting. I think that'll work, yeah. Sixties detectives, Coen Brothers. What can go wrong? They're quite good about like a noirish kind of thriller. Alright, we'll have one piece of bad news before we cut to the break. Um, Pez is gonna be turned Pez into a movie. movie. Yeah. Sorry, so can we give that uh, Pez is being dispensed into a movie. <laughs> oh, there, there we are. Ba-dum. So yes, the, the candy candy steers Pez is gonna be a movie. <laughs> yep. God help us. Because you know, property. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. dot 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 money. Yeah. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. And we're back. So, before we uh, crack on with another review, should we uh, should we do a little couple of bits of film news? Just to, yeah, just to, just we've, got, we've got a few pieces, haven't we? A few pieces. So, oh, did I say about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street getting rebooted? Uh, no, but of course it is. It, of course of it course. is, yeah. New line of rebooting uh, Friday the... Not Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street again. <laughs> yeah. I literally just said it. Hey, they so. probably will. <laughs> they probably will. Yeah. Oh, no, Friday the 13th is coming as well. Mm. John Legend... Are you a fan of John Legend? Yeah, uh, this is the news is going to be in uh, La, 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 La Land, which is uh, Damien Chazelle's follow-up oh, to Whiplash. Oh, you've wanted to do that one all day. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, very exciting news. Well, uh, we've also got another reboot. Warner Brothers are rebooting Dungeons and Dragons again. Yeah, just please reboot this one like the '80s cartoon. Please, I would love to see that. As we movie. don't need Jamie Irons. We don't. No, you know. we don't need any of that. We just need the wisecracking cavalier with his shield. Is it? Is it a Wayans brother? In it was Marlon Wayans. Yeah. Let us never forget that Marlon Wayans was in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> right, my favourite news of the week. Right, is and this was after her great win the other night. Ronda Rousey mm. is going to star in her own biopic. <laughs> they're adapting her biography My Fight Your Fight I, I hope that it's yeah. like My Fight Your Fight the Ronda Rousey story yeah. starring Ronda Rousey that, that's going to be awesome but that's it Ronda Rousey's going to play herself that's Howard Stern style in, her, in an or to a lesser extent 50 Cent to a lesser extent 50 get Cent get rest of yeah, trying, that, yeah. Was, that was just bad though yeah. Howard and, Stern though yeah. yeah Howard Stern that, like was, that, that was perfectly fine and uh, but this is my favourite thing. Uh, Mark Bomback is writing it, which I think is the greatest Great name, name ever for if you're writing about Ronda <laughs> yeah. Rousey. 
Bombac <laughs> presents Ronda Rousey. Bombac Productions. But, uh, so yeah, so let's move on to we shall review then. Oh, the Diary of a Teenage Girl. Mm, yeah, which Christian is Wake, yeah. this is the the the, the directorial debut, is also the screenwriting debut of a TV actress named Marielle Heller. Hmm. Um, who I'm, what, what what's she done? I confess, I'm not familiar with it. She started loads of things that you you know, but you don't know the, the actress. I think she's like a bit player. I think. <laughs> but you think okay, fair enough. She started in this film now. And this is a sort of uh, a 70s set, San Francisco-based coming-of-age drama starring Belle Powley, who you might remember from a Royal Royal Night Out, Out, uh, Kristen Wiig as her mum, and Alexander Skarsgård as her mum's boyfriend. And what happens in this is that um, Belle Powley uh, just reaches a certain point in her adolescence where she begins to explore sexually and begins a relationship with her mum's boyfriend. Which ah, in turn sets okay. off just this emotional roller coaster. It's like a boulder from Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> only it's made of pure emotion. And it's just coming down on her. And uh, it's just this exploration of the life of a teenage girl and her sexual awakening following this illicit affair with her mom's boyfriend. We have a clip. Just because your mother and I no longer share a marital bed. Oh my god, gross. You have to understand. It's difficult to go from raising you and your sister to barely having a say in any of your decisions. Whose choice was that? Well, if you must know, it was your mother's. And that is not to say I was without fault, but she became increasingly frightening to me in some sense. She does not live life according to rules I understand. Pascal, do you really want to help? Uh, yes, I do. of course I do. His mom doesn't have a job anymore. She's looking for another one. But we kind of don't have any money. She doesn't know I'm asking you. I get it. You're just trying to help. So yes, Belle Powley, who is a lot of fun in this movie, she's so engaging in this. Mm. And Belle Powley stole the show in a world night. I think a lot of people thought that. A lot that. of people agree, yeah. She, she stole the show completely. They could have marketed that movie purely on that shot of her just turning up at the gates of Buckingham Palace and shouting, Cooey! Yeah. Because <laughs> she's, she's just adorable in that movie. She's brilliant. Here, she's purely trying to just, just swing for the, look, I can act. Stakes. And you know what? She really, really can. Um, I was shocked to find out that she's actually about 22. Think, okay, fair. Oh, really? And okay. there is a nudity component to the film, which kind of proves right, that yeah. she cannot be the age she's playing. Um, by the way, this is a hard 18, and deservedly so in places. Hmm. Um, the character, though, and this is worth pointing out, because I'm going to get to the style of it in a second. The character is a um, an aspiring cartoonist. She worships the independent comics of the 70s. And this this plays a lot into her personality. And she particularly idolises one in particular. So she draws her own comics throughout. And these are actually brought into the world of the film. So these mm. ca- these drawn like, characters... Like kind of animated yes, style. Yes, these, these oh, hand-drawn like animated actually yeah. interact with a film which is already visually astonishing. There is a colour correction element to this film which will have the, make- have the editors of every Michael Bay movie ever weeping. Right, Colin. Trevorrow. I don't think they're ever going to see no. it. Though, they're not going to see this. No. no, Colin Trevorrow is watching this film, thinking, "God, why did I apply that filter to Jurassic World?" You know, it, it, you just think, "Wow, it really looks." It, it's like mm. two shades orange, mm. just just two percent orange. You know, rather than the fifteen percent you normally does get. it do to the color orange. What Steven Soderbergh does to the color yellow. Yes, yes. Kind of like <laughs> but because she's done that, what it does is it gives the film a wonderfully bleached seventies aesthetic. Mm. You know when you see like glow. when you, when you go into like an, an, an old house and there's wallpaper from the seventies that has it's been a bit faded. cigarette stained. Yeah. And 
And it has that, it looks like it's something, the whole film looks like that. Just that poster for it, it's just yeah, browns and oranges. Wonderful. Browns and oranges. I haven't seen a debut this impressive since, I think, Garden State. In mm. terms of how visually impressive Garden State was, yeah. uh, without the navel gazing aspect. <laughs> Although this film actually has navels for you to gaze at. Um, <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård plays his role in this quite brilliantly, uh, which is to say that his he has this very, uh, I think, soulful take on what is quite a, a black-hearted kind of a character, what is quite, quite should be quite a lecherous character, but he plays mm. it quite soulfully, just just the right way. Then you've got Kristen Wiig, who's doing indie drama again, and that's always a that wonderful works, thing. Right, yeah. Very minor role for Kristen Wiig, although she does get those great beats that you, you want to see Kristen Wiig. She gets like the Alice and Janey lines. She gets the Alice and Janey moments. Yeah, yeah, knocks it out of the park. But, uh, and no comedy in it for Kristen Wiig, to be fair. Oh, really? And uh, but say, Belle Pala, though, owns this show. It is it is uh, effectively a two-hander between Marielle Heller's direction and screenplay and Belle Pala's performance. And works very much, very much in that favour. And considering the pair of them are so early on in their respective career stages, mm. great start. Absolutely terrific. Make sure to see where it's going to go next. I want to see, I want to see them yeah. team up again, actually. I want to see mm. them do more together. Because it sounds like it could be really good. Good pairing, yeah. Very much so. I, I, Good working it, partnership. It's a wake-up wake call for anyone who didn't see uh, Royal Night Out that Belle Powley is someone to watch. Mm. There's genuine appeal here. But Okay, so, uh, well, bit, get a bit more film news out of the way. Brad Payton? Uh, did, yeah. Uh, did San Andreas? Rock's best friend. Rock's best friend. Got to do Rampage and now he's been announced for... Has he got a title? It hasn't got a title. It is Untitled Military Adventure <laughs> Movie. But I would want that to be the title. I, just, <laughs> I would... Yeah. Just call it Military Adventure Movie. I would watch yeah. that. Stone The Rock. From the director <laughs> yeah. of San Andreas, Military Adventure, Adventure Movie. Who stars The Rock, which given that title, that basic concept... Absolutely, yeah. Could, yeah. Uh, oh, Bad Boys. Three and four, yeah. Not one, but two sequels to Bad Boys coming. Yes. So Bad Boys 3, Bad Boys uh, 4. Joe Cannon's still attached. I mean, yes. wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to see, I don't want to see Michael Bay back. I really don't. I don't want him well, to come back. I want Jay Brooke like to sort of produce them, which he apparently still is. Yeah, you've got to get those like big helicopter slow yeah, mo. You need bits, yeah. you need the Brookheimer production. Absolutely. You, yeah. But I think Joe Carnahan is kind of now where Michael Bay was in the early nineties. Really, he is at that rock stage that, yeah. where yeah. when Michael Bay was doing Bad Boys. Actually, he mm. is there. He's back to that. I think he's at that stage. Mm. I mean, say what you will about the A-Team, which is a ludicrous mm. adaptation. The style of it is not the problem. Um, I really enjoyed The Grey. Really yeah, enjoyed I really Stretch. The Grey. A stretch yeah. is Stretch bonkers. is the kind of humour um, I would want for bad boys. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I very, I, I very much enjoy his style. But, um, this is part of uh, Sony's big... Big push, big schedule, which yeah. includes a remake of Jumanji that nobody wants. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I, th- there is a moment in Fantastic Four in which Reed Richards takes a selfie, and you think that's pretty much what we're going to get with a Jurassic with a Jurassic uh, with a Jumanji. Remake, it's going to be on. It? It's going to be on like an iPad, isn't it? That's it. It's going to be an iPad. Yeah, it's going to be an app. Yeah, it's going to be an app. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, that, that's not what I need. No, yeah, no, but they're saying it's been remade because Snapchat hold up and Snapchat. <laughs> Snapchangy, that would work. That, that would because the film would be like a few seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd prefer if it was a few seconds long. Yeah. So, uh, Colin Farrell has joined the cast of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which is the upcoming Harry Potter school. Of course, film. yeah. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, oh, the Hobbit prequels. The extended versions are to be released in back, cinemas because they were they were much loved. 
Yes, those three Hobbit movies yeah. in their elongated forms are going to reach. Bring back Lord of the Rings again. Can we not have the? We never had the extended Lord of the Rings. I'd prefer to see those. Yeah, we never cinemas. had those back in the cinema. In fact, do you know what? I will put up with the extended Hobbit trilogy in cinemas if it means we then get the extended we'll get Lord of the Rings in cinemas. But yeah. why do it now? Take some time, master them for IMAX. Take Absolutely. some time, fit them to IMAX. Mm. Reissue. Do you know what? Everyone would see those. Yeah. Would you'd go and see three, six Lord of the Ring movies in, in IMAX, wouldn't oh, you? Oh man, straight yeah. away. I would ask First in the queue. Arza Butterfield, who was going to be Spider Man at one stage, mm, has signed up for an untitled sci fi romance tale. Oh, really? Yes. Any, anything else behind that? Any directors, any writers? Well, it's going to star Britt Robertson from Tomorrowland, whom I quite like as a. I like her, yeah. Well, we work. both said what Tomorrowland fans we were. Yeah, well, we both yeah. liked it. We, we, we were, I think we were in something of a minority. But I don't get it. It's not John Carter, well, is it? My, my notes in fact that where people will go see original sci-fi films. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, n- never mind. Yeah. A. Uh, <laughs> one final bit then. Uh, Corey Hawkins, who's playing Doctor Dre in Straight Outta Cotton, <laughs> yes. and weirdly he seems to be the only one that doesn't look like the guy he's playing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, the guy, I, Ice, uh, the guy playing Ice Cube is Ice Cube's son. I know. <laughs> it's just but yeah. Corey Hawkins. The guy playing Easy E is eerily similar. Yeah. As well. Funny that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's good job Tupac doesn't carry on that far. That's all I'm saying. Get a hologram in there. Get a hologram in there. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so Corey Hawkins, who plays Dr. Dre, is uh, he signed on for Skull Island, you know? Mm, so yeah, I'd give it its proper yeah. title. It's now Kong, Kong. Colon, Skull Island. Yeah, but you've got to say colon. Very important part you, you of You have film. to, yeah. And this yeah. is what, what more impresses me about Skull Island is it's going to star Brie Larson. Yeah. And you and I are both big Brie Larson Big time. Fans. Well, in Trainer, she's in train great in that film. Yeah. Shots on 12, she's great in that. Well, we can't talk too much about Trey right now. We don't want to give the game away ahead of next week. We've already mentioned it twice. We've mentioned it twice. We need to stop mentioning it. Stay tuned for next week. Stop talking about Trainwreck and how great it is. Sorry. It's pretty pretty good. Yeah, we can't can't talk about how great... Just just about um, uh, Congo, have you heard today's news about Congo? No, no, it's a new one. There's new ones. Um, So, Michael Keaton dropped out, sadly. He did. J.K. Simmons. Uh, J.K. Simmons also is a scheduling thing. I I don't think it's a reflection of the Russell Crowe was circling it. He was circling it. Yeah. Um, Now, to play the J.K. Simmons role... In talks, we've got Sam Jackson. Oh man, that is awesome! In talks to play Michael Keaton role, mm-hmm. either Tom Wilkinson or Ooh. John C. Riley. Oh, I want John C. Riley together. I, I know. I want John C. Apparently, Riley John C. Riley's top of a pile, and I feel like he's a dude that, like, want... not not to say that he will go in, go for like absolutely anything, but he seems to have a quite he's a got broad, range. He's got he? range. So I, I want I him to be. That. I want him to be Marvel Space Coulson. Oh yes, that, that's what I want. Yeah. I want John C. Riley to be the to be the agent of space. Yeah. That yeah. could happen. I think he'll come back for Guardians. Oh, he too. will. He totally yeah, will. Volume yeah. two. But if nothing else, apparently we need more backstory for his family. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that one shot of him all just hugging. But uh, I I love the idea that uh, that Marvel actually dumped that in before Fox did it. Marvel had a mixed race family in a Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah. Just the Being fact that his wife was an alien, you know, that never got mentioned. No one cared no, back yeah, then. Of course not. But uh, apparently it's different when it's the Human Torch. Okay. Which brings I us on, of course. It, yeah. Very, very neatly fantastic. Uh, a film to which we can genuinely say that if you were one of the idiots who took to the internet to racially bash the casting of Michael B. Jordan, believe me, not only were you wrong, but that is the least of your worries when sitting through this film. Because, dear God. Okay, so, Fantastic <laughs> Four is the story of... Set it up for us, man. <laughs> so, this is the story of uh, a young boy named Reed Richards. 
who is uh, more, more or less a social outcast because of his sheer genius. Are you picturing this in your mind's eye? Again? Mind's eye. Okay. And he befriends an abused local boy who lives in a scrapyard called named Ben Grimm. The pair grow up to become... I say grow up. They get to be age 17 and become... Seven years later. Yeah, seven years later, they become Miles Teller and Jamie Bell. And at a school science fair, at which... Uh, Miles Teller's Reed Richards is demonstrating his homemade teleportation device, because that's a thing that happens. Um, he is uh, headhunted by a scientist named Dr. Franklin Storm, played by Reg E. Cathy from House of Cards. Who's uh, What's his name in House of Cards? Freddy. Freddy, that was it. Freddy in House of Cards. Freddy's ribs. Freddy's ribs, yeah. They didn't franchise that one, damn it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and his adopted daughter Sue Storm because this actually comes up as a plot point briefly Uh, his adopted daughter Sue Storm played also weirdly by House House of Cards actor Kate Mara and uh, he is you know sort of poached to go and work in a it's never made particularly clear what it is but it's called the Baxter Building and young scientists work there amongst them is is his surname ever given or is it just Victor they say Victor Von Doom. They say Victor Von Doom. So he's Victor yeah. Von Doom, played by Toby. He Kevin. did have a different surname when it was. With, it was Domashek. like Domashek. and then Victor Van Von Domashek. Yeah, then fans saw it and, and the he's internet. Going to yeah. work on this teleportation device for Franklin Storm's government-funded think tank. However, a trip to an alternative dimension named Planet Zero uh, results in an accident which imbues Victor. Uh, Jamie Bell's returning Ben Grimm, Reed Richards, Sue Storm, and Sue's rebellious brother Johnny, played by Michael B. Jordan, who we should point out for the purposes of this movie is actually Franklin Storm's biological son. Mm. It imbues them all with a variety of increasingly wacky, or not wacky as the case is in here, um, powers, horrifying. Horrifying. which horrifying powers, which leads to a lot of nothingness. Here's a clip. Amazing. Oh, thanks. Amazing you didn't black out the entire Western Hemisphere. Hmm? You basically ripped a hole in the fabric of space-time with unspecked components and no supervision. Yeah, that was uh, an accident. And if by accident you upped the power, you would have created a runaway reaction that opened a black hole and swallowed the entire planet. Well, I'm glad that didn't happen. So yes, the Fantastic Ball. Sorry, four there. And uh, the Snaptastic Chore. Uh, There's I'm so not, many puns, isn't I'm there? I'm not going to repeat the one you texted me last night because under Ofcom regulations we're not allowed to. And it was it was funny. Yeah, it was, it was funny. funny. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure everybody can check it out. Wow, where to start with this one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think everyone expected disappointment in this film. Yeah. And very to be honest with you, I walked into the film myself thinking, right, someone has dropped the ball here. Now, if the film is good... That if a film is any good, if if it's just if it's average, even if it's average, then the marketing department have dropped the ball. Okay, it's the marketing department who've dropped the ball, and the way they've handled this film, even going down to how they've handled the press on the film, everything about it has been badly, very, very badly handled. Mm. Right, they've not done a single thing right with with handling the marketing for this film. Right, so if the film's average or you know anywhere above average, marketing department have dropped the ball. Otherwise, the filmmakers and the studio themselves have dropped the ball. So, which is it? In reality, it's both. Now, the film is dross. Uh, there are moments that work. However, I do say moments, and I am talking about 30-second moments, a handful of 30-second moments, dotted solely throughout the first hour of the film. The film is 100 minutes long with credits. It's nearly 90 minutes. It's just over 90 minutes long before credits. Yeah. 
Your villain doesn't turn up until 12 minutes before the end, I think I clocked it. Something like that. 12 minutes before the end, which is also where all of the plot is located. It is a plot which doesn't make any sense. I mean, none of the plot seems to make any sense, actually, because I couldn't even tell you what the Baxter building was. Is it a school? I don't think anybody could. Is it a school? Is I think it it's think meant tank? to be some kind of research lab cause a school. I, I, it's never defined. Well, he says he's been offered a scholarship, so that would denote yes. some kind is it of a college? school. Oh, I, college? I don't know. College, I don't know. Yeah. What is it? Is it a is it an MIT-like college? I don't know, hmm. because the film never defines it. It's just the Baxter building. The film is very much fixated on, you know what, here's some real teenagers talking about real teenage takes on this. You're like, yes, but... You've cast actors visibly in their mid to late twenties, and then you keep insisting that they're teenagers. Now, I, I'm one of the few people I like the, the 2005 original because, for me, as a, a lifelong Fantastic Four fan, got into it when I was a kid, um, it got the cartooniness right. The Fantastic Four is a family movie. <clears throat> it is a family movie. That, I'm sorry, there is no way to do the Fantastic Four unless it's a family movie. And if you want to go... The darkest and most serious you can do it is The Incredibles. Otherwise, it's Tim's story. That's it. And you can say what you want about Rise of the Silver Surfer. That is a Fantastic Four movie. The Galactus Cloud. The, yeah, it's yeah. cloud-based villains. Yeah. <laughs> cloud-based um, villains, yeah. Right. Silver Surfer is a Fantastic Four movie. You literally cannot make a better Fantastic Four movie than Silver <laughs> Surfer was because it's pitch perfect a Fantastic Four movie. Fine, you probably could have gotten, you know, an actually blonde actress rather than that awful, awful wig and obvious set of contacts. But, and probably found an actress who was old enough to have a PhD, to play someone with a PhD. But, aside from that, I like it and I like the cast. I really, because that was what... the original, yeah? That was what they got right. They got Ben and Johnny right last time around. They were perfect. So... Rather than giving us a straight, serious version, you know, straight face, serious version of Fantastic Four with some Avengers-style one-liners in it, giving us John Hamm as Reed Richards, giving us Liam Hemsworth as Johnny Storm, going and getting Terry Crews to be the thing, because if you're going to race bend it, at least that's, that's race bend correctly, you know, and going and getting out of January Jones to be Sue Storm. Rather than doing that and taking it seriously, what we've got instead is... I'm making a comic book movie, but I'm really embarrassed about the fact that it's a comic book movie. And that's what this feels like. All the way through, it feels like everybody involved, even the cast, are just embarrassed to be in a film that is in any way associated with a comic book. There is... I mean, it's boring. That's that's really that's strange. one of the worst things you can say. It is. It's it. quite boring. Mm. I, the characters simply aren't likeable. Reed Richards mm. is a very difficult character to write in comic form. Yoan Grufford got it mostly right in terms of how he played it, which is, do you know what? Give him G-Shucks. He is a G-Shucks character. Yeah. That's, if you're going to make it work, that's the only way. If you're going to do it properly, then, frankly, he's a sociopath. That's, you know, this, this is a guy that should scare Tony Stark. You know, that, that's the character in its original mm. form scares Tony Stark. He is a guy that Hank Pym thinks of as weird. You know, mm. in, you know G-Shucks was a great way to play it for Yoan Griffith. Here we have a character which simply isn't consistent. And you've got moments which are kind of Rain Man-like. You've got moments which are, I'm just a nerd. And then you've got moments of, Snapchat. I'm sorry, I don't get it. What What is this character? You think, well, That's what I was saying to you earlier. I think that that is one bit of the film, but I could kind of little bit get on board with because when he was at his original school obviously he was an outcast and he only had one friend mm-hmm. but would kind of believe him and then he's poached at this weird 
Fair right. thing. Now, I, I think would, he kind of comes out of his shell when it comes to I would counteract that, though, by saying mm. that there really isn't... Except, except for one scene which happens to precede the accident, which, mm. incidentally, is explained away with the dumbest justification any superhero movie has ever come out with. Genuinely. And I'm sorry, but Marvel proper managed mm. to explain the resurrection of Coulson. Yeah. <laughs> this movie couldn't come up with a decent explanation to cause the Fantastic Four accident, despite the fact that you could have just done it straight and it would have worked. They came up with the dumbest American pie take you could possibly imagine to do this. And you start thinking, how does this not feature Sean William Scott? Um, I say, <laughs> it's boring. It feels overlong, despite the fact that it's a 90 minute effect, yeah. effectively. You've got a villain who's the victim of a very obvious rewrite. In fact, the worst oh, yeah. villain rewrite this side of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I feel like that rewrite took about 10 to 12 minutes, which is roughly how long he's in the film for. Um, you've got a final conflict which doesn't make a whole heap of sense. No. A villain who's very poorly designed, uh, very poorly conceived. The costume is just awful. But... It doesn't make any sense because no. nothing in the film makes any sense. Melts onto him? This is, and the weirdest thing for me, and this is the strange one, and I suppose this comes hand in hand with getting the director of Chronicle. There are some frankly grotesque images in this that really mm. push the boundaries of what should and should not be allowed in a 12A. Well, before the film came out, this was his whole vision. That's what I'm saying. He saying said we were going to go body horror. We're going to go body horror. We're going to go full-on Videodrome Cronenberg. That's what we're yes. going to do. My interest was piqued at that. Now, I draw the line, however, at... Here is a guy that, for all intents and purposes, you think is dead. A flame. For apparently days. Yeah. For apparently it's just a life, days. It's just a yeah. lifeless body. It is just a lifeless body on fire. Mm. Now... Yeah, really? I mean, I've seen that awkward moment, so, you know, the idea of watching Michael B. Jordan on fire for a couple of days doesn't entirely unentertain me. But uh, Oh, come on, man. Dude's going to be crude. I, I, I joke, actually. Um, yeah. I, I, he is the best thing in in that awkward moment. I, I think he's well cast in this. I but, just, well, I, to be honest, now, I think quite a lot of them are well no, cast. No, actually, that's, you say that, he's yeah. well cast, he's not well written. Because oh, well, that's my the, point, yeah. The now, dialogue. If, if you got Michael B. Jordan and pl- to play Chris Evans's Johnny Storm, fine, great. Yeah, great. You can do that in his sleep. Mm. This is, I'm trying to be taken seriously because all the studios went into a bidding war to see who could get me into a franchise first. So I'm going to give them their money's worth. Here's a new expression. It's a scowl. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, are you Zoolander? What the hell is this? Mm. Kate Mara, incidentally, what is she playing? But this is I I am mean, a, I am a dour faced wench. Susan Storm from uh, from Kosovo. Yes, Susan yeah. Storm from Kosovo because that that is literally part. That's of the where point. she was adopted from. That's where she was adopted from because, as we pointed out, Reg E. Cathy's character has done a reverse Madonna. Yeah, went to Kosovo. Um, was yeah. like, give went me to one, Kosovo one child, and did, did a Madonna. Yeah. I want to buy your child. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, for all for all the use of the term race bending on the internet, they they at least <laughs> yeah. race bended Madonna. So there yeah. we are. And, and then, of course, you get to Jamie Bell, whom... Is it just me, or is he so wasted in this? <laughs> but you can say that with Jamie Bell in so many films and want to be trying to start yeah. a franchise that he's been in. Can, do you know what? We, we were talking about Jamie Bell last night and saying that dude was, dude was the best thing in Jumper. Jumper is not a good film. Oh, yeah. He best really tries in, in that film. You know what? I, I At this point, I'm, I'm going I'm to put it out there. Can we have a Man on a Ledge sequel? Please, <laughs> give us a Man on a Ledge sequel. That. We can get Jamie Bell back. Genesis Rodriguez can get some work out of it. And God yeah. knows, she's always nice to see on screen. Uh, <laughs> Sam Worthington could use the role, clearly. 
And, uh, and we now know that uh, Bill Sadler can, can can have a partner as well. Yeah. So, you know. but no, this is this is bad on every way, on every level conceivably. Mm. This is not an I'm a fanboy. I don't like the, the reimagination because it's based on you know it, it's arguably quite close to the Ultimate Fantastic Four comic. Yeah, which there's a lot of panels, but it yeah. just looks like it's shot for shot, really. But it's dull. It's lifeless. The characters aren't in any way likable or interesting. There it are seems moments. Like interacting with each other. Yeah, they don't it's... seem to like interacting. The the actual Fantastic Four, which is literally the title of the film, by the way, only appear on screen for collectively the final three minutes of it. Mm. And no, it's not very good. There's not a franchise in this. Frankly, we we should we should get. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a sequel more deserving than giving this a sequel. I'd I'd rather see a John Carter sequel than this. I really would. What about a Lone Ranger sequel? I'd rather see a Lone Ranger sequel than this. Genuinely, yeah. I enjoyed the Lone Ranger more than I enjoyed this because you know what? I enjoyed at least Lone it Ranger had characters anyway. <laughs> Lone Ranger at least yeah. had characters, mm. and you at least and had, had development and, and, and development and yeah. a beginning, middle, and end, and obviously, and that had that had production troubles. Oh yeah, so, oh, yeah. big time, yeah. Oh, yeah way, over budget. way over budget. So yeah. they couldn't make this work. Oh. But no, I actually think the blame lies squarely at the feet of both Josh Trank and whoever at Fox interfered. Yeah, because it does feel like you had a director who, and let's not re- let's not paint Josh Trank as some sort of saint because if the if if as he's now claiming the first half of this movie is his, hmm. then I still don't see what the second half would have been. Because unless this film is going to be two and a half hours long, and they locked yeah. an hour out of it, well, he said his first version would have mm. wowed critics. That's what he said. Well, one thing's for sure, Josh. Today. Sure as hell didn't manage it this time. So, do you, you got any final thoughts on this one? Uh, no, I think we've we've covered pretty much everything. Um, I will say the first five ten minutes I was on board with. I was. I yeah. strangely I was. We've compared well. it to like an Amblin film. Yeah, haven't we? very That's much so. Said. Very but, very much. I like I like the relationship with Ben and with Reed to begin with. To begin with. And to an extent, just before we go off to Planet Zero. Well, this is kind of a problem for me, because those opening five minutes, for instance, are... Here's the story of how Ben and Reed met. Okay, and this is the story of their friendship. You think, okay, so the whole movie's about these two friends... And how yeah, they, I like that. That's a great. That's actually a very good take on the Fantastic. It's a good book. kind of two-hander, isn't it? It yeah. doesn't say that way though, because Ben's written out of it ten minutes in, only to be brought back towards the hour mark, and then he's kind of written out of it again, only to be brought back at the very end. And you're like, what? yeah, and then the things just and the really thing is, grotesquely moody. Re- yeah, and you're thinking this is from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. school of yeah. Anyway, we're running out of time, yeah. so we're going to leave that one there. Did enjoy it. <laughs> Did enjoy it. It is in no way fantastic. Uh, the only thing it delivers fantastic on this title Bore, is... Fantastic Floor. Fantastic Floor? Fantastic Floor. Bortastic Floor? Bort- yeah. <laughs> I don't That's know. the best thing. All the puns. Well, I think, Phil, I, think I can safely say the best film of the week is The Diary of a Teenage Girl. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to watching it. You should, you should. I will definitely watch it. We should name drop our competitions as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, so let's just do that. Because course, if you go yeah. on to onscreenfilm.com, go in our competition section... We've got goodies. We've got DVDs of Everly to give away. Oh, cool! Yeah, uh, did, did you ever see that one? It was, it was kind of good. Actually. No, I might enter the competition. Try and win a DVD. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure. We have, we must have a term and condition in there. Yeah, where well, well, hosts well. can't win. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So we've got Everly to give away on DVD, which is the Salma Hayek action film from Joe Lynch. Hmm. Uh, we've got uh, Sinister Two goodies coming up as well. That's at okay. some point this next week. Yeah. Um, we've also got Fantastic Four goodies. You know, t-shirts, flash drives, and things. Yeah. So all there, onscreenfilm.com, go in the competition section and get entering. Your chance to win. Next week, we have 
Pixels to come, yeah. which is out Wednesday of all this. So that's yeah, I'm probably going to see it Wednesday. Yeah, uh, we've got the sort of Monty Python reunion. We've got absolutely, absolutely anything, anything with yeah. the Simon Pegg. We've got the Man from Uncle. Cannot wait. Can't to see wait that for this. Uh, Alicia Vikander, man, this is good. Yeah, rock. oh man, she's um, so good. I love, love her so her. much. Yeah. She's so good. Ex Machina, man. I need I need her to be the biggest star in the world. So simply so I can say, called it. Yeah. And of course, that that film about the rail disaster is, is next yeah. week as well. So. Are we are we going to say what it's called again? Or, uh, uh, okay, let's just name drop Trainwreck because it's awesome. Yeah, it's we'll, great, and we'll tell you how awesome Trainwreck is yeah. next week. Oh, you tease! This has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been uh, Case Allen, and we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Only the Surfer can stop the Destroyer, but he needs his board!